last chapter. Last chapter. But not the last episode. Oh, no. And last chapter of this book. Well, no shit. Yeah, there are chapters in book seven. There are zero chapters in book. All of this one book. It's just one big fucking (laughs) chapter. Get ready for that episode. That'll be... Strap in. Our longest episode ever. Hi, so it's Basic Snitches. Yes. I am Adam. I am Tara. And today we are discussing chapter Chapter 30. 30 Of Half-Blood Prince. The the White Tomb. I almost said the witch tomb because i looked down and my eyelid might be a little bit better but <laughs> it still saw witch it's so Let's take a moment to acknowledge all of our patrons. We've got Ashley, Brian, Brittany, Jen, Mary Beth, Megan, Nisi, Nicole, and Olivia. And you too can join that list at patreon.com slash basic snitches for as low as $3 a month. This is a little bit tricky. Again, I don't know who necessarily would be the loser unless you are referring to like additional consequences of like Snape or something like that. And the winner, I mean, there are so many ways that you could go. You could say Sprout. You could say Pomfrey. You could say McGonagall. You could say Ginny. I mean, there's so many that you could say. I mean, for loser, you could even say Bill because his face got fucked up. So I don't know. I don't know if I have guesses. Well, the loser is definitely Snape. Okay. <laughs> Just like watching the like disenchantment, not that there was ever any enchantment with him, but like how everyone is like, wow, really he was a bad guy. Like that's a big He was loss. that girl that we knew he was. Right. We were wrong because we were right before and then we listened to Dumble, you know. Um, but the winner, <laughs> I'm ultimately giving the win to Ginny. Okay. Interesting. Um, she just has a very strong showing. She definitely assumes the role of being like a strong presence. Mm-hmm. The whole the whole time that we're around her, not just her bringing Harry to the hospital wing, but all these people are, are breaking down around her, and she just seems to be very stoic and very strong in the moment, and I really think she deserves the win. Nice. I like it. Yeah, there are so many strong moments of characters. Yeah, there's so, so many characters like do great but, things, but I was like, I think really think Jenny has such a strong show. She's solid. A thing has been written by me. I'm going to read it. Ready? Chapter 30, The White Tomb. It's funeral day, and the Hogwarts Express heads back home a mere hour after the funeral. Wow, they spare no time to allow the student body to deal with this huge loss. A handful of students have left already due to the security breach, but Hogwarts is still storming the people we recognize from throughout the series pay their respects, from Mrs. Fig to the Grops, from the Mermaids to the Sagittariuses. Everything makes Harry both reminisce about the memories involving Dumble from the past few years, such as his few words from years ago to the Triwizard Tournament. It's also worth noting that Hagrid has the esteemed and very depressing job of bringing Dumble's body down the aisle to his final resting place. Talk a little bit more about Snape as if we haven't heard enough yet, as it's revealed that Eileen Prince was indeed Snape's mother, but that's no shock now since Tara explained all of that already. Harry also gradually feels the reality and gravity of the situation and what must be done next. And not wanting to put anyone else in danger, he breaks up, in quotes, temporarily, with Ginny. So the new lesson that Harry has to learn in his final book is that he can't do everything by himself and that it's okay to ask for help, right? Oh, also, Bill Nye the Science Guy is there and nothing has changed with their approach despite the very, very clear writing on the wall. And this isn't just paint from the Hogsmeade Michaels like last time. Hmm, I wonder if this has anything to do with the ministry being overthrown soon. Spoiler alert. Oh yeah, back to that lesson. Ron and Hermione start that now. When Harry says that he is leaving Hogwarts to go hurt for... Harry? 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 Harry?
when Harry says that he's leaving Hogwarts to go Horcrux hunting, and they say they're coming with him. After all, just Harry in the woods for hundreds of pages wouldn't be nearly as engaging. And so, we pour one out for Dumble, and are shocked that somehow we've made it to the end of season six. Well, sort of. There's three more episodes after this one. Woo! Yeah, last chapter of the book. Last chapter. And it's wild. So I forgot that this chapter was the last one. Like, I, I felt like there was something else that happened, but all of the things that I thought happened all happened in this chapter. Yeah, it does a lot to make sure that if there's any other, like, loose ends that can't be handled in the last book, they're taken care of. Yeah. It is a great kind of, like, final tribute. When I say the few words in my thing, I talk oh, about the Odmintons week. And... Yeah, I love that. This chapter is heartbreaking and also kind of real. Like, I really appreciate how much we spend in Harry. How much time we spend in Harry's head in this chapter. Because it's not just depressing. It's also, like, very reflective. Yeah. Reflective is a good word for this chapter. Because that's essentially what it mostly feels like to me. Is that we're in Harry's mind a lot during the actual funeral. And then we have these brief conversations with Ginny and then with Hermione and kind of Ron in the background. So yeah, I think it does a nice little button at the end, which I think is suitable. It feels like there's so many moments in this chapter, and I mean, I guess you could say that for the last few chapters, that set up the chaos that is going to happen in the next book. Because my big question, even coming off of the last chapter, is like, okay, how does Hogwarts divulge into what it becomes? And it starts, of course, with the ministry being taken over. Because I assume that's when Snape is appointed the headmaster and whatnot. Yeah, because why the fuck would he become headmaster? Based on where we are right now. Right, yeah. yeah. I guess what I mean is seeing all of these characters come back. Some that we've forgotten about, some that we definitely haven't forgotten about. It brings all these people in as almost a setup of like, okay, the grand finale of the series in the next book is going to kind of be a lot of callbacks something that i wrote next is harry making the joke about fleur to Ginny. i don't even remember what the joke is um oh the when Ginny says i guess i'm gonna have to accept that he's really going to marry her and harry says she's not that bad ugly though oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think i liked that because of my feelings of like yeah. how she brought that all up and stuff i have always admired how harry is around fleur because he's never been like oh my god fleur is so hot but like ron was or like other boys were and i wonder if part of that was the situation that he was thrown into in the fourth book and then he's first of all immediately very like mistreated by her because she's such an asshole to him in the fourth book so he's just treated like crap by her and then he grows to admire her skills and so he never like goes in that direction being like also, she's hot. It's like, obviously, this is the thing that Ginny needs to hear. So, no. It's also, she's ugly. It's fine. <laughs> like, but I actually don't think Harry was ever attracted to Fleur, like Ron or any of the other boys. Yeah, and I, Harry's point of view is so different, too. I mean, again, Fleur was an asshole to him first, so. That, and just, like, Harry's head is always elsewhere. Yeah, I think it's kind of nice that that is brought up here. Especially, we get these, like, tender moments when we can get them kind of thing. Yeah. You know, to even kind of jump off of, <laughs> I mentioned it being very chaotic with all these people coming in, but it, everything at Hogwarts at least still feels controlled and structured. You know, I think of like the parents a lot in this moment. Oh, uh, yeah, like the Patil twins, for example, they were taken out of Hogwarts, whereas like Seamus is like, uh, absolutely no. not. <laughs> like, so just thinking of 
at this moment, Death Eaters got into Hogwarts and Dumble died. Yes, that's a huge thing. But to think of how it's going to divulge even more into chaos and, like, what does happen. It's so weird to call this, like, the calm before the storm, but that really is right. what it is. Obviously, mm-hmm. no one knows that that's what's going to happen. And the whole idea of hearing everything that's happened, like, I get the parents being like, no, we got to go home. Yeah. And I wonder what is out in the world that makes these parents let these kids come back next year. Yeah, seriously. That's really fascinating because, you know, you see that... The Fatil twins, I'm pretty sure, are at Hogwarts next year. We know Seamus is at, is at Hogwarts next year. Mm-hmm. We know that Zack Smith is at Hogwarts next year. Or maybe he just comes for the battle. I don't remember because he might be a year older than Harry. But still, like, these kids that are specifically mentioned here, we know Seamus is back. Yeah. And his mom was like, yeah, you got to go. And he's like, no. So somewhere in the in the next three months or two months, Seamus' mother is like, yeah, you can go back to Hogwarts. What happened that made her go yes? Maybe this is mentioned in the next book, but I wonder if it's not like common knowledge that Snape killed Dumbledore. I know that it's not common knowledge. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that it's not. But that said, what made them go, okay, well, Snape is now headmaster. Yeah, I'm going to send my kid there. Versus if McGonagall remains headmistress. It doesn't compute for me, I guess. To I guess. Like, because it's a woman instead of a man, because gross. Well, yeah, I mean, I can almost see, like, you know, the way that politics works and everything. Yeah. Them basically saying, oh, well, Maga didn't really want to be headmaster, so she steps down. And then we appointed Snape, because he's always been there, and stuff like that. I mean, I'm just kind of, like, trying yeah. to come up with some reasons, because it, it really is kind of strange how would the parents become so blind to what's happening at this point when we have seen so many instances of them being protected and i think of how people like Seamus's mother approached harry yeah in in the past right and just like that's why Seamus is especially interesting for me on this front what is it that she wants for her child because mm-hmm. i don't understand what she's going for here yes uh, it'll be interesting i'm have to think that some of that is going to be covered at least at some point because if not then i mean mean, it's another big loophole that a fuck is fine with me no not worthy of the best swear word of all time fresh tar fresh tar that's the worst smell (laughs) (laughs) okay fresh tar sure why not tar (laughs) it's a creative one but I was like, what do I hate right now? Oh, it's like, did something fresh happen? Fresh tar season. Oh, well, you, you're right about that. Oops. So, yes, fresh tar may tar have, Tar for like, short. <laughs> just, I mean, I could call you tar for short. I will murder you. You heard it here, folks. Adam is murdered. She it was me. She it. <laughs> She's not going to murder me. She's just like Draco. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm a coward. I'm the murderer. <laughs> I'm the snake to your Draco. <laughs> Tar probably left that open, you know, uh, yeah. as a as a plot hole. Didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's mm-hmm. it is very very strange to see how things change and everything. Yeah. Now we do get this conversation about Eileen Prince here. Wanted to very much recognize Rosalind Antigone Bungs. Yeah. And Rupert Axebanger Brooks Stanton. Axebanger. It's a great. How did he get that nickname? Mm. What did he do to some axes? <laughs> Okay, but listen, Hermione. Did, don't. did we really care? At this don't, point? Hermione. Don't. Like, it's the littlest plot device. And honestly, I had even written this down. I don't care enough about, oh, Snape was the half-blood prince. Pl- the half-blood prince. Yeah. yeah, he is the half-blood prince. Yes. 
At this point, there has been so much that has happened that it's like, oh, wow, what an amazing revelation. It's very interesting because my personal feelings of I don't fucking care kind of coincides with Harry, like, not having that level of, like, wonder and anticipation of trying to figure out who R.I.B. is. Like, we're just so exhausted from the turmoil. Who cares? Who cares? But also, because they talk about, oh, the book was evil and stuff. I'm like, okay, it had Sectum Semperin. That, I don't think, is enough of a jumping off point to be like, oh, if only we had known that it was Snape, then we would have known that the book was evil, blah, blah, blah. I don't it's either. Like, I don't either, yeah. It doesn't make as much sense. I almost feel like during the Sectum Sempra chapter, that's where it should have been revealed in some way. That this is where Snape is the Half-Blood Prince. So that we can get it out of the way and move forward with this more intense stuff. Right. I don't give a shit who he is now at this point. Yeah. Because I, I do appreciate also, like, Harry is like, the book wasn't evil. Like, the things I did in that book, like, I did that. Mm-hmm. It, Harry is very much the person who is not willing to assign a thing like evil to a book. Again, this is just a weird chapter, like, or this section of the chapter is just very weird. Like, you're right. I don't care. Hermione, read the fucking room. I know you know how. Yeah, because here's the other thing. There was a lot of good information in that chapter. We've already seen time and time again that Hermione doesn't like the book because it gave somebody the ability to do potions <laughs> to better do, than her. To be better than her at potions. That doesn't make the book evil. Sectum Semper was in there, sure. Also, but... Snape isn't evil. Like, student Snape, who, like, made edits in his book and then just left it there. If Snape left the book, it wasn't like Voldemort leaving his fucking diary behind as a horcrux to, like, control people. Snape literally probably just left his book there because, one, he is potions master, hmm. and he probably at some point was just, just in case, and threw it in the back of the cabinet. Like, sure. I can't imagine that if it was important to him, he would have been like, okay, I need to hold on to this. But at some point, he probably was like, well, I, all this shit's in my head. Someone might need a book. Here we go. Sure. It's in there. And maybe thinking that people would not necessarily follow his instructions, or if they did, great, because their potions are going to be better. Whatever. Because... Or simply that, like, the book is, like, beaten up. Like, yeah. we saw that at the very beginning. Yeah, and that... he's a t- he was a teenager. Again, not to give, like, Snape all the benefit of the doubt, but he was a kid, too, once, yeah. who wrote in his textbook, or wrote in the back of a closet, whatever. It's not an evil book, I guess. I said that in a lot of words, but... Yeah, and I mean, when I think evil book in the series, I think of the diary. The diary was cursed and all this shit. So that part here is just very, very strange to me. It's like the, right before we actually get into the funeral. It's very frustrating because she even says, she's like, oh, I, I did find this thing out. And Harry is instantly like, tell me about R.A.B. Like, that's what Hermione's been looking for. And she's like, mm, actually. Actually, this. let me tell you about Eileen Prince. Yeah. And it's like, I really didn't care about Eileen Prince before, but I definitely don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Once we get to the funeral, this is where we see Lupin and Tongue is holding hands. So I'm like, okay, well, that was fast. Lupin was like, oh, Fleur's going to steal Mary Bill? Sure. I'll go out with you, Tongues. That was all that needed to happen, apparently. Hagrid has to carry Dumble's body. Jesus Christ. Poor Hagrid. Obviously, like, I've never been to a wizard funeral, so whatever. I, I mean, I guess, like, we're using Hagrid to serve as a pallbearer, but he's literally holding... A body not carrying a casket. Right. You know, something about that that just seems like, I mean, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Hagrid. It's a little bit, uh, it's not foreshadowing per se, but you see that motif repeated when in the he's next book. carrying Harry. Harry. Yeah. It's the most emotional person. Yes, there's a lot of emotional people, but we know that Hagrid is so open about his emotions. So the fact that he has to do this for such a major mentor of his. Also, like, Hagrid's loneliness. Thinking about the fact that Dumble was 
really his only real connection mm-hmm. that he's had for so much of his life. You know, yeah. like, you know, he had that connection with Harry. He pulled Harry from Godric's Hollow after his parents were killed. And Hagrid doesn't have a lot of connections. He doesn't have a lot of touchstones in the world. And so to see him have to, like, take this man who was his mentor, who was his carer, who was his family, essentially, and carry him in front of all of these people and show his vulnerability and his grief Mm. in front of everyone. And then, of course, doing that to him in the next book when he believes Harry to be dead. Hagrid is, again, so pure. Mm. We, we want to shake him sometimes. Pure is the good but word, he is. I think, He's here. Pure. And speaking of, he does have this lovely little moment with his brother. The Grops is the there. The Grops is there. And the Grops is even like, he's like hanging his head and he's like, they're there, Hagrid. So we do get that, which is really, really nice. I and love it that. It's even funnier that the Grops is here while the Pink Devil is also here. <sighs> yeah, that, that's really all you need to say. Yep. So then this is where we get into Harry's head now. He watches as the mermaids come out of the lake, and then he's thinking of what it was like to have Dumbledore at the Triwizard Tournament. The Sagittarius has come out of the forest. As this is happening, you, I mean, we already knew, I mean, it's Dumble, but you see, like, the far-reaching influence of Dumble as well. um, Before we actually get to the funeral, though, I did want to talk about when we're in Harry's head at breakfast. Oh, yeah. And he's, like, looking over, and he's, like, looking around at, all of the lion man's friends, but then he notices Crab and Goyle oh, sitting yeah. by themselves. Talking about how Harry, like, literally just threw Draco aside. He was not thinking of him. He has all this animosity for Snape. And it talks about how Harry did not believe Malfoy would have killed Dumbledore. He's actually kind of pitying Malfoy because he's wondering, like, where is he now? What is he doing? Speaking of, where are they now? You may hear us sounding a little bit different because... We moved um, locations. We moved locations because my computer was like, fuck you, and decided to die. Mm-hmm. And so now we're in the library where acoustics are different, and both of us are much closer to the microphone as well. I think... Anywho... So, yeah, so we, um, we were talking about... Um, Draco. Harry, Harry was thinking about Draco, his yes. boyfriend. Which is a good thing to bring up here, too, because we forget about Draco, I think. I Yeah, it's really interesting because Harry also forgot about Draco and was like, I was, I'm too busy hating on Snape, which, honestly... Same. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me too, Harry. Me too. Yes, yes. So, yeah, it, it's a good thing to kind of mention that. And there's so many people who arrive, and then we also talk about the people who have left and stuff, but Draco being one of the few ones that get kind of caught up in the drama of it all. I mean, Draco really is in a terrible position. He's put in a terrible position by his family history. Yeah. And this is Harry recognizing. We see actually in the next book where Harry learns a little bit about how Draco is being used and misused and like that's a lot. That's a lot to think about because Harry knows the pressure that's on his shoulders as the person who will have to literally give his life for the wizarding world but also like recognizing that Draco has a part to play in that too. Even without all of the wand switching and stuff in the last book, Draco, where he sits in this, he's not just a character that's an annoying bully in school. Yeah. And what he is forced into. I've even said, like, regarding Draco in this book, this is what sets him up for a great redemption as well. Mm -hmm. We learn about him in such a different light. 
So yeah, it's definitely really he's, good. He's to... still terrible. Like we still, you know, want to punch him in the face for his bullshit in this yes, book. But... Yes. So yes, we go to the wedding or the wedding. We oh go my... to the wedding. Oh my god. We skip over the first few chapters of the next book. <laughs> then we just have a wedding. We go right to the wedding. <laughs> they get married and then they have to, you know, get out of there <laughs> and beat blonde bitch up at the cafe. Ugh. Always beat the blonde bitch up, honestly. Um, that one, the big blonde bitch. <laughs> <laughs> remember that <laughs> that's a good life lesson beat up the big blonde sorry bitch. sorry if you're blonde and big and a bitch but <laughs> that's that's the new rule so yeah they're at the funeral they're at the funeral i'm just really caught at this point in his psyche and like what he's thinking yeah. about and all of that which i mean that's natural i think that when you're at a funeral that's automatically what is yeah. coming through your head you're thinking about that person you're thinking about the people who showed up for that person and what their story might be with mm -hmm. them you know yeah and in some cases it's performative of course sure like people we don't mention yes exactly there and there are a couple of them in mm -hmm. this case that are clearly just there for formalities and stuff yes I would say that the people who are performative are Fudge Packer and Pink Bitch. Yes. You I could hesitate almost... to say Lion Man. I think uh, that, he's like I was on gonna a say potentially line. him, but he is the acting minister of magic. It's yeah, like... and I think that that's like there's also a level of like responsibility there. Yes. Dumbledore was such a prominent public figure. Him being there is like, well, there's no way he wouldn't. Yeah. But also I think that he really does recognize the importance of Dumbledore and does respect him and does wish to pay his respects. Even if he also gets to, like, play in on his ulterior motive of being like, Harry, you still on our team? To me, I feel like he is definitely some performative, but I think that there's some other reasons for that. It goes about as you'd expect. It is worth noting that when it's time for them to be like, funeral over, they're like, clap, clap, and the tomb just appears around him. And everyone's like, the hell? Yeah. It's a little scary. It is a little scary. I do want to mention this because in the movie, at the very least... At the end of the seventh movie, when Voldemort goes and gets the Elder One, I don't think he's buried at Hogwarts. He's buried in, like, some field. I think that it is supposed to be Hogwarts, but I don't show... Oh, no, I think they do show Hogwarts, just, like, in the background. But, okay, like, I need I... to pay attention to that. Yeah, I think that they do, because that's one of the reasons why, when Harry's making the decision, not that the movies, you know, pay attention, Harry's making the decision to look for the Elder One or the final horcruxes which ones he's going for like i think a lot of that has to do with recognizing that voldemort was going to hogwarts to get the elder wand mm -hmm. and like recognizing that that's where he is i don't say that with any sort of like authority but yeah. I, I think that they do show hogwarts in the background it'll be interesting to talk about the elder wand when we get there because obviously the focus here is like the quest for the horcruxes but then the secret quest is <laughs> this thing with the the three deathly hallows yeah so. and of course we even know about the Deathly Hallows yet because that's what the next book is called. So, right. so that will be pretty interesting. We get a little bit final, like kind of wrapping up. This is when he quote unquote breaks up with Ginny. I love how she handles that. This is why I ship Harry and Ginny. Mm -hmm. This scene, I mean other things, but this scene to me goes, they know what, they don't necessarily know what they're doing, but they're feeling very confident in what comes next. Yeah. Which is a big step for like a 16, 15 year old. Yeah. You know, like this is really big. He's like, I have to do this. Here is why. 
and her being like, I recognize that. Mm. And also sharing with him, I never gave up on you. Like, I think that it's just a very mature conversation yeah. that the two of them have. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. It's very mature because I think that they almost take it as a break. Okay, I have to go do this thing and then I'll come back. Because what it comes out of is like, at the end of the funeral, he's reflecting on Sirius and his parents and like everybody that he gets close to. Now he has to go off and do this. And <laughs> like I said in my thing... It's the consistent thing of like, I have to do this by myself. I have to do this by myself. And then after this, he has the conversation with Hermione too mm-hmm. about like, I'm not coming back. And Hermione's like, and you'd say that? And which is, again, kind of mature of Hermione, which is good because she's not the most mature in this book. I think in this book, her, her immaturities are highlighted mm-hmm. because we've never really seen her navigate the boy that she is in love with having another relationship. We've never navigated her not being the best at something that's a thing she has to get through the end of the fifth book the thing with going to the ministry was not good and Hermione being cautious about it like I recognize that she's still our Hermione she's still very mature but like this this is a nice part of the book where we're reminded that Hermione hasn't gone backward we're focused in different areas of her life I think absolutely because this is then where Hermione's like, all right, well, how would you think that you would be finding all of these horcruxes by yourself? Is that what she actually says in the book or is it just the movie? Um, I think she's more like, um, we told now. you already we would be with you in the book. Perhaps. As you're looking that up, I just think of like, hey, Harry, think back to this last journey that you just did. Yeah. To find this fake Horcrux. Dumbledore couldn't have done it without you. You couldn't have done it without Dumbledore. But also, let's reflect back on the entire season and how... Or the entire season. <laughs> I mean, that too. We'll be yeah. doing that in the next few episodes. But in the entire series, like, let's go back to the end of book one. You couldn't have done all of that without Ron and Hermione. So here's what it said, and I think it's really important. Again, fuck the movie on this. Harry said, I've got to track down the rest of the Horcruxes. Ron says... We'll be there, Harry. What, I grant and uncles, and we'll go with you to whatever you're doing. No, said Harry quickly. He had not counted on this because he's a fucking idiot, clearly. <laughs> he had meant them to understand he was undertaking the most dangerous journey alone. You've said this to us once before, said Hermione quietly, that there was time for us to turn back if we wanted to. We've had time, haven't we? We're with you, whatever happens, said Ron. But mate, you're going to have to come around to my mom's and then talking about the wedding. Again, this is the movie doing a disservice to Ron because we definitely don't see Ron getting sick. Oh, yes. We'll get get to that soon because I noticed that for sure. This is just such a fucking block that Harry has where he's like, how do I separate myself from everyone so that they're not going to get hurt because of me? Like, this is clearly a huge way that he responds to this type of thing. And he simplifies it. Yeah, He simplifies it to being like, well, I'm just going to put all of you over here and then you'll be safe. If he uses his brain, he realizes that that's not the answer, but you know, accepting help and learning to recognize that there's this power in the teamwork on the same level is, it's just something he like blocks out. If he stops and uses his fucking brain, he's like, yeah, I couldn't do any of that without people. That's the whole fucking point of this series. His ultimate decision to sacrifice himself for the wizarding world is huge, but he never would have gotten there without the experiences of the seven books. So that's really what it is to me. And I love this conversation between them all at the end. I think it's beautiful that it's a unit. The three of them have this conversation together. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then there's just one more conversation that we have to talk about and it's with Bill Nye the Science Guy. It's basically a repeat of what happened at the borough. The fact that Harry even anticipates it. And as a reader, I'm like, okay, how is this going to be different? Think of what Harry has just been fucking through. And 
the messaging is the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, there are more important things that have to go on, asshole minister of magic. Right. With everything else that Bill Nye, the science guy, doesn't know that Harry has to do, take a step back here and just realize a little bit what you're asking this kid to do, even reflecting upon how it went earlier. We're in an even more dire situation here. What? Do, how do you think that this is changing? It's very interesting that he makes the decision to come to Harry about this here. And I wonder if it's more of trying to just get into Harry's good graces because he does want to know more. And in the beginning of the seventh book, when he brings them the stuff from Dumbledore's will and all of that, he asks them, what is it that you guys are doing? Like he wants to know more. And I think that Lion Man is kind of not in a great position. Fudge mishandled everything and he got ousted. And now we've got Lion Man who wasn't necessarily prepared for this and is learning that it's a lot harder than he could have ever imagined. Also looking at the world Mm -hmm. around them. Like it's like, okay, now you're the ruler and we're in the middle of a war that we don't even know what to expect. I don't know who Minister of Magic was last time Voldemort was ruling whatever, but there's clearly a lot of missing information. Mm -hmm. And I think that Grimgaur is like, this is my only... Who's Grimgaur? Right, Lion Man. Bill Bill Nye the Science Guy. (laughs) Harry's his only resource now. And I agree with everything that you said. Like, it is an awful position to be in. You're completely right that Fudge Packer fucked everything up. What it comes down to, though, is like, you just had this exact conversation. Mm -hmm. And Harry's, like, smart to it. And you come in and you without any empathy no. even. No, and like, that's you, a huge thing. It could have been somehow different here if Mega isn't going to know about what's going on. Absolutely, you're, you're not, not going gonna to. Know. Yeah. There's clearly no trust here at all. More than anything, what this is, and there's a lot of setups in these last final chapters for the final book, and this is setting up the overtake of the ministry mm-hmm. and showing this is how blind the ministry is to everything. Harry even calls him out like, hey, is Shun Pike still locked up? Yeah, I mean, I think we've determined that Harry is maybe a little wrong in there, but you know. That's fair. Perhaps. We don't know. Like, we actually don't ever get like a clarification on that. He's making some really good points though of like it's a we point. had this That's conversation. So important. And nothing has changed. That should have been at least some sort of light bulb going off for Bill Nye, and it wasn't, so... No, I think that you're right, though. I think that he's just coming from this place of, like, doesn't even think about what he's doing, you know? And Harry is so smart. (laughs) Why did you do this? Yeah. But good job, Harry. I think just, ultimately, it sets us up a lot. All of this is, like, trying to take care of as many loose plot points Mm -hmm. that make sense for this book. Because, yes, there are still some loose plot points, but... Right, but that's what the hell's the point of the seventh book if we don't have something. Yeah. Just a couple pieces of levity that I really do appreciate. Ron wanting to go punch Percy. Yes, that's nice. Um, and seeing Hermione respond also like with humor is nice. Also just visual of everyone leaving except for you see like Rob cuddling Hagrid. Yeah, yeah, I like that moment too. And I'm like... Also, we didn't talk about the Madame Maxime and... Oh, yes, yes, yes. And assuming some other, like, because she came in the carriage. I'm assuming that maybe some of her students came because Dumbledore is a big fucking deal. Yeah. Maybe some of her students came to support her. Maybe some of her former students came to support her who were here Mm -hmm. at the Triwizard. I appreciate that. Every time I read that, I like to assume that Victor Crumb also. Yeah, yeah, I like to like that too. Maybe Polyakov came with him too. Sure, because there was no mention of Igor Karkaroff coming. Well, because he's dead. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know it, it's notable though because the big deal that they made in the fourth book ah Madam Maxime is here and someone else is not <laughs> right I loved the part where it was like there were younger students who'd never seen the carriage mm-hmm. so that's really cool you know because that was two books ago and having the other people there Luna helping Neville go to the funeral and the heads of houses and how they're just kind of like taking control of everything the way McGonagall kind of stands in the room is like okay it's time oh there's a lot of really really nice subtle things that happen in this chapter not only to close out any missing pieces or loose ends but also just kind of feel like good solid things to go out on i guess yeah i agree yeah lots of nuances for sure yeah. yeah it's good end of the book i think so too let's play a game i don't know what a game is though today so it's a wrong answers only Oh yeah, I do know what this is. We talked about this already. Um, and it's <laughs> I, love I don't romance. know. I love it's romance. not. It's not my favorite, but we have five wrong answers only. The first one is: How did Eileen Prince and Tobias Snape meet? Tinder. <laughs> we have established that the Wizarding World gets the internet way before everybody else. Right. But obviously, it's Tinder, okay. which is weird because Tobias Snape was mostly on Grinder, and so he He's goes on Tinder and he finds a lady. It's like, all right, let's try this. And it worked out. What was Rosalind Antigone Bungs famous for? She was um, famous for the invention of the bunghole. She discovered it. <laughs> I know. Who would have thought that it was such a, like, a late discovery? But it was all up to... I can't remember. Rosalind. Rosalind. I was going to say, I can remember a middle name. Antigone. <laughs> Antigone. How many children do you think read that and thought it was anti-god? Antigon. Yeah, I didn't ask what Rupert Axefinger Brooke Stanton did because He fucked we know. an axe. Because <laughs> we already know. And Next... somehow didn't get his dick chopped off. It's a miracle. The next one is, where did Dumbledore learn Mervish? He took a study abroad semester under the sea. And when he was there, he was so, like, enveloped in the culture of the mermaids that he just picked it up. The rest is history. Love it. That's actually probably what happened. That's probably is what happened. Yeah. How about this? Before he realized that he was gay, he fucked Ursula and learned it from her. There we go. That's better. Love it. What did Lion Man say to Dumbledore's casket at the funeral? He said, I know where you really are, you little fucking bitch. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he had thought, but we all have determined that Bill Nye the Science Guy in the concept of this series, because the real Bill Nye the Science Guy is amazing, but in the concept of this series is a fucking idiot. And he really was just whispering to a corpse. But somehow, because Dumble's corpse is like all-knowing and he's still like the most powerful wizard even though he's dead, that corpse understood everything. It was like, I'm going to come back and I'm going to murder you. Dumbledore the science guy. That's right. Dumbledore. <laughs> the plot was Dumbledore murders the Minister of Magic yes. while being dead. You never know with this <laughs> series. There's a lot of other surprising things that right? are about to happen. The last one. What was the headline of Rita Skeeter's article about Dumbledore's funeral? It was, don't let the Dumbledore hit you on the ass on the way out. <laughs> that was great. Thank you. I love it. I love it. There you go. Figured it out. There we go. Obviously, there's no funeral in the movie. There's no funeral. So there's something very moving about the visual of McGonagall raising her wand 
and lighting the tip of it and everyone following suit. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very beautiful visual. Because um, that kind of like replaces the funeral. It kind of replaces know? the funeral, um, especially because in the moment, so we discussed this in the last episode, how there was like a crowd, but we don't know who the people are in the crowd. Hello, sweetie. Hi. I've been here the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know who's in the crowd. You know, we just know that, that Hagrid and Ginny are there. Mm-hmm. And Ginny is the one that, that brings Harry away from Dumbledore's body and all of that. But in the movie, they basically just show everyone standing around Dumbledore's body crying. Yeah. This is an interesting visual. I think they really did a nice job with this visual. We're not getting the hospital wing scene. We're not getting any of this other exposition at the end. Mm -hmm. So the encompassing of all of that in a very moving scene with the person who is essentially left in charge now Mm -hmm. leading the way and everyone lighting their wands and everything. I, th- I think that it is a very moving image. Yeah, and how it kind of dispels the dark mark. Yes. And it's a symbolism for like, hey, we can all do this together. Like, we're all in this together. Exactly. That started playing the loudspeakers that did the music for the Trappers of Tournament. But I'm not, instead of oh, yeah. playing all, that song from High School Musical. I like it. I, honestly, that's also canon. I'm still in wrong answers only brain. Obviously. But, um, um. <laughs> but yes, it's very poignant. It's, it's a great way for them to take the funeral and make it a great moment in the movie. One other thing, and this actually happens in what we talked about in the movie for the last chapter, when he goes to the office, we do see the Elder Wand there. We do. And Harry picks it up. And then he about a cut out of himself. Right. <laughs> Honestly, Harry's like, I'm done. There are no movie seven or eight. It's worth noting it because my assumption, obviously I'm wrong, but again, it's the movie, so who knows? Maybe it was an oversight. I assume by this point, Dumbledore has already been buried. It's quiet. It's peaceful. It's like we're wrapping up the book. And we all know from the seventh book, Dumbledore is buried with the Elder Wand. Yeah. And the Elder Wand is sitting here on the desk. Right. He's like, how'd that guy end So So I was like, oh shit, we forgot to put the wand in yeah. there. Like, after everything, they're like, oh, you know what? Um, we forgot this. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing we're wizards, so. Exactly. <laughs> That's really all I got there. So but... there is that moment. But then, of course, the other big part in the movie is in the Astronomy Tower. For some reason, they're like, we're going to have this conversation where Dumbledore died. And it's the whole thing of, like, I'm not coming back, and Hermione being like, you dumb fuck, we're coming with you. And Ron's just sitting, sitting there. there. There's one moment I do like, and I said it out when we were watching it, is I really love Hermione saying, you think you can do all this by yourself, basically? Yeah. Like, that's an important comment there, but I, the rest of the scene really bugs me. The fact that Ron seems to be very isolated from the scene bugs me. The fact that Hermione is the one that's like, but we're coming with you. Because it is, like I said a few minutes ago, it is the showing of them as a unit. And right here, it's very much setting Hermione and Harry in a separate place from Ron. Mm -hmm. I do want to take a minute kind of to reflect on the last couple chapters and Rupert Grant specifically and his portrayal of Ron. Because I think that he is a smart enough actor and I think he showed well enough a lot of the grief and shock that we don't allow ourselves to recognize in Ron. Mm, and then yeah. Ron grew up privileged to be a pure-blood wizard in a, fam- a very loving family, sheltered from everything that had to do with Voldemort before because Voldemort was gone up until now. 
And I think Ron lived a very comfortable life. And I think he's constantly in this, like, middle ground between recognizing that being around Harry means danger. You almost died this year, Ron. Mm. You have you have been injured and in terrible situations a lot in the last five years. Like, you... This is... But you still, like... I think he still clings to that safety and the comfort of the world that he was raised in. Because the Wizarding World wasn't terrifying for him when growing up. I kind of think about Ron as kind of like our eyes for some of this sometimes. Because Ron is kind of like this external character for the rest of us where we're like that's actually the one that we we relate to a lot you know yeah ron i think is in shock i really think that he is in shock you know his brother almost died he almost died this year dumbledore is dead this like person who represented strength and like the greatest wizard he knew and his he sees his parents be terrified and he he was this close to being murdered by death eaters a couple nights ago like there's a lot that ron is not given credit for going through because we focus so much on Harry. And so when the movie does this shit, I get so mad. But I love every time Rupert Grinch is on the screen because he is sitting there. They choose to isolate him from Harry and Hermione. But when you look at him, he looks so distraught. Like Ron doesn't know what he would say. Good job, Rupert, because they literally did you a disservice and you were like, okay, well, I'm the best actor here anyway, so fuck it all. Because he really is an yeah. exceptional actor. And it's interesting because I keep saying set up, set up, set up, set up for, I mean, a lot of these final chapters. In book seven, there's a lot of additional growth that Ron goes through and we see, you know, some of the like tantrums that we know that Ron is capable of. So it's good to know some of this of how these characters are going to continue transforming in the next book and the next two movies. So, In my annoyance of them being like, you know what, we're just going to focus on Harry and Hermione, I'm like, well, I'm going to give Ron some extra attention because we don't think about these things. And he's not used to the extra attention. Right? Yeah, Ron does not get extra attention. When we started this reread, I definitely knew that I wanted to focus on giving Ron some more grace mm-hmm. just because we're always so quick to be like, well, Ron's a dick. We're like, yes, Ron is a dick, but you know what? Who isn't? Well, let me get into points. Um, so I could have gone through points in a variety of different ways. There's a lot that happens in this chapter, but I decided, you know what? Let's just keep it simple and take 10 points away from Umbridge. I love it. Next time, we are going to not be doing a chapter because there's no more chapters left in this right. book. We're going to do a little wrap up. Yeah, we've done a few of those already. Five, yeah. Five <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're going to do a little wrap up. And for that, we got a couple of special episodes. Yes. And then we'll take a little break and then we'll be back with, oh my God, book seven. So of course, we will have a cutting room floor at the very end of the season. Mm-hmm. But we also have our second movie episodes. We did a movie episode for the first and second movies. We're going to do movie three and four, and we have new special guests. Yes. So that'll be fun. Please look out for that in a couple weeks. Yeah. It's sad to kind of come to the end of this book because, I don't know, it just feels like we've just hit this, I don't know, catalyst for the end. Yeah. I guess. But it's good. This book is a lot. 30 chapters of a lot of Snape. So. Ooh. Oh, you're talking about the book we just finished? Yeah. So you're happy. <laughs> yeah, except we're going to have to do more Snape discussion in the next book, so. Well, he's always going to be there. He's, I was going to say, he's, I don't think he's an important character in the fucking series. Blah, blah. It's okay. But, yeah. but next week, we're going to talk about the whole book. The whole book. And it'll be fun. 
Yes. All right. We'll see you then. Bye, guys. Thanks. Bye. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages. Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out!